Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passages for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and today I'm being joined by Bill Craig. Bill gives leadership to the publishing area at LifeWay. Bill, thank you for being with us today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking me to join you again. And we're going to be looking at session 12 of our spring 2022 study of First and Second Thessalonians. Boy, it's hard to believe we're already on session 12. Uh, this study of First and Second Thessalonians just seems like it's just going by so quick. Uh, but in this study, in session 12, we're looking at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to chapter 3, verse 5. And the main idea here is about the value of mutual prayer. Here's a quick look at the outline. There's four major points. Be steadfast, be encouraged, be prayerful, and be confident. That first point, be steadfast, comes out of chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And in these verses, Paul expressed his thankfulness for the Thessalonian believers, knowing that they were chosen by God for salvation and were sanctified through faith in Jesus. He challenged them to stand firm and hold on to the truth of the gospel. The main point for us to walk away with is we can express thankfulness to God for the salvation of others. The second point, be encouraged, comes from verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. In these verses, Paul asks for Jesus and the Father to encourage and strengthen the Thessalonian believers, demonstrating his love and grace. One thing for us to realize here is that prayer is a form of encouragement to others. The third point is simply be prayerful. And that comes out of verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Paul requested that the Thessalonian believers pray for him, Silas, and Timothy as they sought to share the gospel with others. He asked that they pray for deliverance from evil people who lacked faith. For us, we can understand that believers are wise to invite other believers to pray for and with them. The last point, be confident, is from verses 3 through 5 of chapter 3. Paul expressed confidence in God's faithfulness in protecting his readers from Satan, knowing that they would remain faithful to Jesus. He concluded his prayer by asking God to show his love and give believers Christ endurance. For us, we can understand that God is capable of helping believers honor and remain faithful to him. So Bill, Paul's in the middle of this passage. He's, he's presenting a challenge for prayer. He's expressing what he's praying for, the people of Thessalonica. Uh, but he begins, verse 13, with this statement that some translate as from beginnings and others as first fruits. So there's different ways translators treat this passage. Can you help us navigate some of those differences? So this is an interesting challenge that you put in front of me, Dwayne. I have to start by saying I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have read several commentaries and done a little bit of investigation in the Greek myself. Uh, so what, you might, what you're referring to, the ESV translates uh, verse 13 by saying, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved, and the CSB says, from the beginning, God has chosen you. So the CSB, the King James Version, 
the New American Standard Version used that idea of from the beginning, God has chosen. And uh, there uh, are at least uh, several translations, the New International Version and the ESV that say, because you're first fruits, God has chosen you. So what's the difference here? Well, the difference is the matter of a space between the second and third letter in the word aparchis. So aparchis or aparching, all as one word with no space in the middle of it, means first fruits. And aparchis with a space in between the second and third letter, aparchis, making it two words, means from the beginning. The, the real point here is that Paul is trying to put an emphasis on the fact that God has chosen you. Now, the question is whether God has chosen from the beginning, which is, for example, the way the CSB has translated it. But if you look at it that way, you have to ask, from the beginning of what? From the beginning of time or from the beginning of Paul's work with the Thessalonians? Uh, because he's used a very similar phrase uh, like that in talking about uh, Epineatus. Epineatus in Romans, he says, is his first fruit, his first convert in Asia. And so some people have said, well, this word, when we translate it as first fruits, is talking about the Thessalonians as first fruits, the first ones who became believers in the area. Actually, the Philippian church were the first converts in Macedonia. So uh, you could look at this as being uh, from the beginning of time. So this gets into the question of election, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, has God chosen the people who were in the Thessalonian church from the beginning of time to be a part of his kingdom? And I think that's a really great way to look at this passage, to think that God has chosen you. And so in the midst of all the difficulty you're facing as believers, as you struggle through the difficult days that you're going through, just remember God has chosen you. And if you want to read this as first fruits, you can also think about this as the idea that God chooses you because you are a part of the first fruit, those who are set aside in a sacrificial way to be the ones that God chooses into his kingdom. And so it's okay to think about this word actually either way. They both have the same end result in the encouragement that the pastor Paul gives to this congregation that God has chosen you, either because you're the first fruit or God has chosen you because you're from the beginning. Uh, either way, it's an encouragement to this congregation. You brought up that idea about God choosing. If it is from the beginning, if, we're to, if that's the intention of Paul to say it that way, how do we keep the focus of this lesson then on what he's saying beyond that, the prayer, not let that rabbit election become the main focus of what happened in our class time? Well, I think the most important thing is to realize that this is not a theological treatise about election or even about a theological treatise in Thessalonians about the end times. 
the, the letter to the Thessalonians is really a pastoral letter of encouragement. And what he's encouraging the church to do here is to recognize that uh, they can stand firm because he's praying for them. He's praying for them, reminding them of how God has worked in their lives before, and he's asking them to pray for him. So it's that mutuality of prayer that you mentioned a few minutes ago. I'm praying for you. Here's how I'm praying for you. And please pray for us in the same way. That's really the focus here, is encouragement in difficult times uh, and in being encouraged by this prayer. It's not really a focus on end times or on uh, a theological treatise about uh, election. That's not what this letter's about. Now, these folks were facing intense persecution. They're not all that worried about debating theological issues. They're trying to, to withstand persecution, although theology is an important part of that because you're not going to, to take a stand against something you don't believe or for something you don't believe heartily in. But they're, they're facing this persecution, and Paul's intent is to encourage them and strengthen them, knowing that they are secure uh, in their salvation and that their fears of not being able to withstand it should be put aside. That's right. In fact, it goes on in verse 15 to talk about uh, standing firm, holding to the traditions they were taught. And that's a really important key to understand, too. What does he mean by traditions, or like the NIV calls this, teachings? Well, he's not pointing to traditions, say, of the Jewish faith or traditions of some practices. He's really pointing to the body of truths that he has passed on to them, that they'll get from other apostles that they hear preaching, and that are even available in Old Testament writings. Paul's used this same language before in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 2. He says, now I praise you because you remember me and everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. That's the same idea that he has here in 2 Thessalonians when he says, I'm praying that you'll stand firm in these things that I've taught you. Don't get don't get pulled off to some other idea by a, by a false teacher or by a worry that you have. Just hold on to the things I taught you. That idea of tradition and teaching gives us some strength here to think through why that would be important for the folks in Thessalonica during this time. Uh, hold on. We've already mentioned this just a minute ago. Hold on was being an important thing because they there they were facing persecution and the temptation would be, to abandon, turn, run, but Paul's reminding them, hold on, because of these traditions, the things that you've accepted, this, this faith in Christ that you've now gained. Yeah, some of the things they can hold on to are right here in these verses, like in verse 13. They're loved by the Lord. They can hold on to the idea that they're loved by the Lord. They can hold on to the idea that they've been chosen for salvation. They can hold on to the idea that they've been sanctified by the Spirit through belief in the truth. They hold on because they've been called to follow the Lord and that they have the gospel, that, that good news that they heard from Paul. And so they can hold on to all of those things uh, as, a, as a way to, 
stand firm in the traditions that Paul taught them. Yeah, you see the pastor's heart coming out in what he's saying here without question. That's, that's right. In, ver in these verses, we see Paul praying. Uh, it's not the first time he's expressed, expressed a prayer to the Thessalonians. In, in his first letter, uh, in chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, he expresses a prayer in verses 9 through 13 of chapter 3. And then in chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, He's also expressed prayer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and then here again in chapter 2, specifically verses 16 and 17, although there's other pieces of prayer within this whole passage, uh, but verses 16 and 17 follow that, that prayer um, formula, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, that may our is one of those uh, formulas that point to a prayer. So we see these things here in these two letters, Bill. What can we learn about prayer from how Paul expresses prayer here in the book of Thessalonians, in the two books of Thessalonians, to the Thessalonians? One person I, I know calls it an organ recital, praying for uh, people's uh, health needs, and that's about all they ever pray for. <laughs> uh, my group, my group that I lead sometimes falls into that trap of, of just praying for the health needs of others. But Paul really uh, leads them to pray through all these prayers. You mentioned all the places where they're found in uh, First and Second Thessalonians. He prays over and over. He's praying thankfully for them. So you can pray prayers of thanks. And as you're thanking the Lord for somebody, you're reciting before the Lord the works that he has done for those people. And so when you tell someone, I prayed for you today, I'm thankful because I know the Lord has worked this way in your life. That's an encouragement. It, it lets people who are recipients of that be reminded that God is God is at work in their life, and you're thanking God for the way uh, that he's been at work for them. He also prays for their work and their labor. He says, you have this in, uh, in chapter one of 1 Thessalonians, your work produced by faith and your labor motivated by love. So he's, he tells these Thessalonians that, you know, it's, it's, it's not that they're working for their faith, their faith comes out of their work and their labor is a labor of love for other people. And he's thanking God that these believers have been loving other people and faithfully working to serve them. Well, he prays like that over and over again. He prays that God will enable their work in Second Thessalonians. And he prays here in this passage that we're looking at today. Uh, he says, I'm praying for you uh, because God loves us, that he's given us this encouragement and he's given us hope by his grace. So we're experiencing the hope that we have in the middle of all these difficult days. We have hope because of the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Our experience of grace gives us hope. And that, that ought to encourage our heart and strengthen every good work we do. And so Paul's trying to tell them, stay faithful, keep working, because your work produces faith and it's an evidence of your love for the Lord as you love other people. And that's what he's praying for. And 
you know, unfortunately, we don't pray enough like that for other people. And we ought to pray like that for other people. We ought to pray for their endurance and for their work and for the love that they have for other people. In fact, we talked about that mutual prayer need in chapter three. Paul goes on to say, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. So he's saying, pray for us that we'll continue to be preachers of the gospel. So pray for our work, just like I'm praying for your work. Yeah, that, that uh, idea you just presented there is kind of a cycle to me. Um, we express faith in Christ, and that expression is seen by some type of works that we do in gratitude. That strengthens our faith, which then leads to deeper and more uh, thoughtful works, which then also strengthens our faith even more so. And it just keeps this spiraling cycle in a good way, uh, where faith and works are complementary to each other and not working against each other in that context. That's right. He's reminding us of that in this passage. Uh, the Bible skill uh, encourages us to look at the prayer life of Jesus. Uh, we're given several different verses, seven verses, in fact, Matthew 6, Mark 6, Luke 6, Luke 11, Luke 22, John 11, and John 14, which are all prayers of Jesus. And what we're encouraged to do is examine those verses and look for attitudes and things that are, that are commonalities in the prayers of Jesus and see how those compare to how Paul prayed for the Thessalonians here in 2 Thessalonians. The leader guide encourages us to create team, four teams, uh, but only assigns four of these passages, the Matthew 6 passage, the Mark 6, Luke 6, and Luke 11. So it's paring them down for us if we choose to. We could assign all seven to groups of four or a group of three, whichever way we want to do it, just making sure some of them have more than one. Some of them have two, some may have three, depending on the size of our group. Have them look at those verses and then come back and discuss what they discovered in those verses about prayer from Jesus's uh, habits and then compare to those to what we see here in Paul's life as well. That, that would give us a, a great way to see how Paul demonstrated the lessons he learned as a follower of Jesus. Paul is saying, follow me as an example. This would be one way where we would see and could see Paul following the example of Jesus when it comes to his prayer life. Bill, are there any other key ideas or thoughts you would share from this passage? No, I just think that it's uh, interesting that uh, Paul, you know, encouraged the Thessalonians by praying for them and then asked for their prayer. I think that's something we ought to also do, which is to pray for one another and not be shy about asking each other to pray for us. So I would encourage you to do that in your group. Take some time today with your group or this Sunday or whenever you're meeting and pray with them and uh, pray for others and let the other folks know that you prayed for them. It'll be a real encouragement to them. Uh, we shouldn't underestimate the value of a text that just says, I prayed for you today and what that would mean to somebody in their life. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening to us today. Bill, thank you for being with us this week. If you have any comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. 
That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at Lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I'll find the right person who can answer that question. Join us next week. We'll be looking at session 13. We'll be looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 15. And our main point is that believers are to live in obedience while waiting on the return of Christ. 